Kansas City Power & Light just got their new rate case approved by the Public Service Commission. What does that mean for you and what does that mean for Missouri? We'll find out more on this week's Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things Missouri energy policy news and beyond. This is James Owen, the Executive Director of Renew Missouri. We are a 501c3 based out of Columbia, Missouri, dealing with renewable energy and energy policy. With me on the boards, Elizabeth Gower. How you doing, Elizabeth? Good. Um, your Beyond comment made me think of Infinity and Beyond from Toy Story. Well, that's. I hope that's a. I hope that's a good memory for you. Um, also, reluctantly in the Renew Missouri studios today is our general counsel Tim Opitz. Uh, Tim, how are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm uh, man. I'm great. I'm glad that we can be here and talk about the KCPNL rate case. That was something that we've been working on since January of 2018. Uh, Kansas City Power and Light. Uh, as well as Kansas City Power and Light Greater Missouri Operations, which technically is two electric investor-owned utilities here uh, in Missouri on the western side of the state. Uh, they came in seeking a rate increase, seeking changes to different programs, seeking uh, a different look to their rate design. Um, as a lot of you know out there that we've gone over in other cases, Renew Missouri intervenes in these, um, in these proceedings. Uh, we have to be granted intervention by the PSC, and then we work with other parties. I had a question, James. Oh, you did? Okay, <laughs> what's your question? Um, can you explain to the audience uh, why we get involved in PSC cases? Shouldn't someone else be getting involved? Or why us? Okay, well, okay, so we, the, the standard for intervening in a case is that you have to uh, represent some other interests other than just what the public interest is because uh, right now the Public Service Commission staff, which is the regulators that are separate from the Public Service Commission who make this decision, they are supposed to be representing an aspect of the public. The Office of Public Counsel, where Tim and I used to work, represent the ratepayers. They're more of a consumer advocate. And so everyone else has to seek that approval. And so you have consumer groups. Uh, you have the Division of Energy with the state. You have um, municipalities. You have other utilities. Um, you have other groups like the NRDC and Sierra Club uh, who are doing more general environmental work. And we're there because we want to see uh, these utility companies use more renewables, enhance their energy efficiency programs. That's why we are different and distinct, and that's why we do it. So very good question, Elizabeth. You kind of threw me off there for a second because <laughs> I wasn't sure what you were raising your hand about, but that's good. So, Tim, um, you were our man on the ground uh, with that case, uh, this you've you've worked at the Public Service Commission staff as a lawyer. You've worked at Public Counsel as a lawyer, and now you're here. So you've worked on a lot of these kind of ray cases. So we got a settlement on this one, which is great, right? We did, and it was uh, you know kind of a very intensive process to settle these two cases. There was a lot of moving parts in it. And in my experience, I don't think I've seen Kansas City Power and Light rate cases settle. Um, so this right. was the first time in a while and all of the various interests were able to get together and, and resolve some big policy issues. Yeah, because I mean, in the last rate case they were in, they came in in July of 2016. There was a hearing on that in February of 2017. And so that went to a full trial, which 
you don't see very often with Ray cases, but yeah, Kansas City Power and Light, you tend to see those go to litigation. Yep, that's right. Yeah, as you just <laughs> said. Sorry, I'm glad I repeated that. Uh, so, <laughs> put you on the spot there. Yeah. Well, so why do you think this one settled? I don't know. I think that it oh. was easier. <laughs> I think it was easier for a lot of the consumer parties to get on board with the settlement because in this case we were talking about a rate reduction for both companies. Right. Um, so I think that moved the needle a little bit. Um, a lot of the issues that were involved in the stipulations and agreements that were filed were related to rate design, which was basically how this reduction is going to be spread among the different customer classes. Right. So, I mean, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the Empire tax case a couple months ago and whether or not um, they were involved with a rate case or not. There were some legal nuances that you and I discussed here. Uh, but with Kansas City Power and Light, they had a rate case going on. There was a statute that passed last May, Senate Bill 564, that said if you had a rate case going on, uh, the impact of the federal tax cuts from last December, the one that Congress passed, would be dealt with in that case. And so here we saw, as you said, a reduction in rates. I mean, can we say approximately how much that reduction is going to be? So it, it will vary uh, between GMO and KCPL. For GMO, all customers will see a 3.22% uh, rate decrease. Okay. Uh, and for KCPL, which is largely the... Uh, Kansas City, Missouri side, the, the city urban aspect of it. Uh, theirs is a little different. Um, it's going to be, uh, I want to say, small general service sees a 4.7% reduction. Large power and large general service has about a 3% reduction. And then residential and lighting classes have about a 1.5% reduction. My goodness, all that sounds complicated. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, <laughs> uh, that's because we've had a lot of cases where it's been litigated with the rate design and they have different ways of splitting up the cost of service to these different classes. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was sort of a, uh, I guess you start pulling one string in uh, rate making and it starts moving different things around. So. Yeah. How long did it take you to memorize all those stats? I did not memorize them. I have my computer in front of me. Oh, so. yeah. See, now we're just destroying the fourth wall here, and we all know all that. So I, I want to talk a real quick getting to something elementary. You're talking, We talk about Greater Missouri Operations. We talk about GMO. I think it's weird to some people that everyone just assumes that Kansas City Power & Light is one big company. Everyone gets a KCPNL bill, but Greater Missouri Operations used to be Aquila, which is a, which is a utility that went bankrupt quite a while ago. I think that's true. I don't. I don't remember. I didn't work in the you, that in was, energy industry at the time. That but. was when you were still a pup. Well. I wasn't even. I wasn't even. I was still in law school. I think when Aquila went bankrupt back in two thousand three. So, but then even before that, they well, were two separate. Well, to be fair, I think it was the parent company. I think their utility oh. was okay. I don't. I don't know. I think they had some non-regulated issues. Going Am I on. slandering them inappropriately I, well, I by saying I they went know. bankrupt? I, I know a lot of their. Uh, you know, I'll call them legacy employees. Still work at oh, KCPL, yeah. and they're good people to work with. So. I'm not. Well, you're making it sound like <laughs> the fact that this company had financial problems means all those people were like devilish for some reason or another. But I'm not trying to say that. Well, I guess Tim. coming coming off of an election <laughs> that we recently had, I know that's a negative thing that people throw around a lot. But what do people file bankruptcy? Well, right. Yeah, I mean that there were several. Can we have a president that filed bankruptcy. I think he takes pride in that. I'm oh, not yeah. Sure. Okay. Like, so.
okay, so but there used to be before it was Aquila, there were also two separate companies in that greater Missouri territory. So it's it's it goes way back and it's and it's really set up kind of in a way that makes this complicated. Safe to say? Yeah, I think that's true. Okay, because the rate design thing, I think, is something that people don't think about. When they when they think about, like, when utilities come into the Public Service Commission, they think, oh, is my rate going to go up? Is it going to go down? But they don't think about how that goes across, you know, if you are if you own a home or, like, let's say you own a factory. <laughs> you're going to be paying your electricity bill in a different way. And one of the things that we talked about in this case, in the KCPNL case, was an aspect of rate design on how much you pay at certain times and how that tries to encourage conservation, which is what I wanted to talk about is bringing this up about things like declining block rates and time of use. So that's something that we dealt with in this case, is it not? Time of use? Time of use has been a, uh, or was a big part of this case. Uh, Way back in 2016, uh, you mentioned the prior KCPL case. Right. In that case, the commission said, company, you've installed these AMI or smart meters. Yes. So next time you come in, you better have something that's going to be related to time of use rates. Okay. Uh, the company had a pilot proposal that they wanted to try and roll out. Mm-hmm. Um, various parties had different uh, perspectives on that. And what we settled on is... Uh, by October of 2019, there will be time of use rates available to customers who want to opt in. Can so, someone explain that for the non-energy gurus? I mean, renew gurus. Yes. Um, Tim, What? tell us, what is a time of use rate? What does that mean in a very basic English so, form? Uh, well, it, it, it will cost <laughs> if you. If you can. It will cost you... Uh, <laughs> More or less money to use power depending on when you use it. Okay. So there are times... Okay. So this goes into a very basic thing about rate design, right? Like, so there are times of the day where lots of people are using power. It's usually first thing in the morning and right when they get back from work, right? That's right. And there are other times of the day where people don't use as much. Or and so, 3 o'clock in the morning. Or at 3... <laughs> do people use a lot of power at 3 o'clock in the morning? No, I was saying they don't. That oh, would be off-peak. That probably, would be probably off-peak. Super so off-peak. that would That's, be... You would probably get a deal on these time of use rates if you were using power at 3 a.m. Well, yeah. So, I mean, so basically they're trying to encourage people to use their electricity when there's a non peak period, right? That's right. Okay. So, and non-peak is important because uh, if you are a utility, you have to make sure you're able to provide enough power at the peak of your customer's demand. So if you can have a rate or an incentive that causes people to use uh, power at a different time, you might reduce your peak and it could uh, reduce the utility's need to build a new natural gas plant, or ah. they could even possibly retire a coal plant. Oh. Um, so there's a lot of uh, customer benefits there if you can avoid some of those costs, and yeah. there's also potential for environmental benefits for those of our allies who are interested in that. So it's good for your pocketbook, but it's also good for the environment. Is that a good I'd, way of putting I'd it? I'd say it's uh, good for everyone. Great. Elizabeth? Do peak hours and non-peak hours vary by utility? And what are those Ooh. hours? Good oh, question. Uh, so I don't know off the top of my head which hours uh, we agreed would be yeah. peak or on peak here. 
Um, but I think there's three different uh, periods mm-hmm. for the KCPL and GMO right. that we're going to work towards. Putting uh, you on the spot over here. Yeah, uh, And I, I'll say, uh, generally, the utilities all sort of follow the same, you know, peak of first thing in the morning or when people come home from work. Yeah. But um, every utility is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. So, and, and this is not going, because like we're still working on the details of this. I mean, this is not something every customer is going to be doing, correct? Right. So, you... For, First of all, you have to have a AMI meter. Not every customer. Now let's talk about that really quick. We'll get back to what uh, this time of use is going to look like for the average customer. But an AMI meter, what is? I mean, that's some. That's a smart meter, right? That's a smart meter. Okay. And Kansas City Power and Light's been pretty good about getting those out to their customers. I mean, a lot of utilities are a little behind on that, even though that technology's been around for a while. But KCPNL has got several of those out with their customers, don't they? Yeah, they've got a pretty uh, expansive, uh, I'll call it a deployment of the AMI meters in their right. KCPL territory, uh, and they're working towards it in their GMO territory. GMO is a little more uh, spread out, a little yeah. more rural, so it's taking longer to get that deployed there. I believe they would say it's got a low ratio of miles to meters, is what some people would say, in GMO. That's probably pretty accurate. Okay. So, uh, Elizabeth, yes. Can you explain what these smart meters do for our audience? Oh, very good, yes. I got to keep this less technical. Uh, so <laughs> You're doing a good job. Uh, they do a lot of technical uh, things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll say, well, they record how much energy, energy you use. Right. Uh, they'll be able to better track uh, and communicate to the utility uh, when you're using that energy, uh, which is important for time of use rates because yeah. it's not just how many times the little meter spins. You right. need to know at what times it's doing that. So the AMI can help with that. Um, and it allows you know, more information about outages and all kinds of things. So, I mean, so I think to kind of put in, people think about the, they have someone come out and read their meter like when they have a traditional uh, system. But like this, they don't have to do that. That information goes directly to the utility company. Yes. And and so they don't. That, that was part of uh, what the companies, uh, I guess, used to justify these AMI meters in their prior case. Mm-hmm. They, while uh, they said, yes, we want to work towards TOU, but there are cost savings with these meters uh, because we won't have to have these labor-intensive meter readings. We won't have to do... Uh, these other costs, it might save us money on on truck rolls whenever we're getting bad information about something. Okay. So there's a, a lot of reasons why AMI meters can be beneficial to customers and the utility. Right, but I mean that is something that KCPNL's goal is for every customer to have one, but they don't all have one yet. Correct. They don't. That's correct. I mean, do they have a timeline? Do they? I don't know. I think they might. Um, as soon as possible, I think. Okay, well, that's a good timeline. <laughs> that's so, pretty vague. But there's a, most of their customers, like especially in KCPNL and not Greater Missouri Operations, the majority of them have AMIs, right? Yes, absolutely. So the customers, getting back to this original point about TOU, if you're if you are eligible for this, you have to have an AMI meter. So what else you have to have as far as uh, you know what a customer needs to do these time of use rates. So at least initially, you've got to have an AMI meter and you've got to opt in. Opt in. So you don't have to participate at first if you don't want to. Right. Uh, that's something that the commission was interested in is having everybody go down to this. But right. 
I know the companies and a couple other parties uh, expressed reservation about, I guess, forcing such a big change on customers without a big, uh, without a process for educating them about what to expect. Right. And I guess identifying which customers might not be able to participate. Yeah, because it's safe, yeah, it's safe to say that some people might be a little surprised <laughs> if this went into effect with everyone and they didn't realize that there were these peak hours and non-peak hours and instead of trying to reduce what they're using during those peak hours they just get some what would be a pretty high bill. Right. right? Yeah, so if if you let's say you had no idea that this went into effect, maybe <laughs> right. you have your bill set up on auto pay or something like that. Um, and if you came home and found out, you know, uh, that uh, you had a half full dishwasher, so you loaded the rest up and started running it, you might be surprised to find that your uh, energy bill that month uh, would be quite a bit higher. Yeah, because, I mean, the whole thing they're trying to encourage people with these time of use rights is they're going to, I mean, your bill would be higher to use it during those peak times. That's the point of this. Yeah, that's the point of it. But, but, for something like that to work, um, customers need to be aware that there are, you know, things that they can do to avoid that that uh, price incentive. Mm-hmm. I guess, or, um, what kind yeah. of price or rate difference are we talking about? I don't think they've really quite come to that yet, have they, or have they? Um, so we there there will be a particular price difference. Um, I don't have it. Um, Tim's Googling well, over here. <laughs> I, I don't have it, but it is uh, something that uh, will be significant, um, and it will have an impact. And I think that was important to a lot of the parties that it's not just going to be a slightly higher rate during the day and a slightly lower rate during the night, which mm-hmm. is similar to what the commission staff put forward, uh, which has positives and negatives for, for that kind of approach. But I think a lot of parties really wanted something that would actually have a, a real uh, time of use uh, impact yeah. that, that would show a, a difference to try and modify customer behavior. Okay. Because if you have a time period that's, uh, you know, from 8 a.m. until 10 p.m., well, people are going to use power during that time and you're not going to really be able to... Um, modify your schedule right unless you set everything to run in the middle of the night but yeah and i mean you know ultimately they're hoping that people start using more of these kind of savvier information-based appliances like the nest for instance that sort of thing that's all going to have an impact on when you can run these things i mean we're, we're looking at trying to get everything in a household coordinated with you know your ability to process that information yeah and a lot of those different you know Measures like a nest um, could be made available or rebated with their MIA programs. You know, so there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of things that that these utilities are doing to um, move forward and be energy efficient and uh, cause customers to use less energy. Which I mean, just for our listeners at home, the MIA is the Missouri Energy Efficiency Investment Act, uh, which gives a financial incentive for utility companies to introduce energy efficiency programs into people's residential and kind of their smaller business customers, right? Uh, large customers could participate. They could, but they don't have to. Most of them have opted out, yeah. um, but, but they could. Yeah. Uh, so. 
So this affects mainly this affects a lot of residential customers, the MIA. Residential and and uh, small businesses. Right. So that could all coordinate with this time of use work. So if you are in the Kansas City Power and Light service territory and you have one of these smart meters at your house, you can at some point in the near future opt in and start participating in this time of use rate and you can start seeing your bills go lower if you start using uh, your appliances and using your electricity at off-peak times. Right? So... If right. you don't work during the day, this might be something for you. Or even if you are able to coordinate your efforts to do things like doing your laundry and doing your dishes like during times that aren't like at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. Right. as an example. Or pre-cooling or preheating your house, whatever the season may be. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that even if you yes, I mean of course if you're if you don't if you work from home or you don't work and you're at home most of the day it's easier to do this, but there are ways to do that. And so hopefully that will help uh, us to, because I would think when you're doing peak times, that also puts more strain on the grid, that uses more resources. So when you spread it out like this, it's better uh, as far as a conservation measure. Safe to say? Well, I mean, I'd say more efficient. I don't know about conservation. You don't think it's I mean, well, so... Oh, Tim. Conservation, what, what is conservation? Putting on a sweater, right? Efficiency is you get the same comfort level, um, but using less energy, right? I don't have a sweater. Well, no. whatever the case may be. Okay. That was how Jeff Mark explained it to me when I worked Oh, okay. So. Jeff Mark, the esteemed economist of the Office of Public Council. If you're is, listening, Jeff, say hi. And he's also going to be a future guest on this show, he promises. So that'll be, that'll be fun to listen to here soon. Um, okay, so conservation is more about those kind of choices as opposed to doing efficiency, which is what hopefully time of use is promoting. Right. Okay, so good. So that's time of use. That's a big part of what this KCPNL rate case is. Um, some of the other big things that are going to be done on this is um, Kansas City Power and Light is going to be introducing something similar to what Ameren has, uh, which is a um, opportunity for larger customers to buy... Uh, green sourced energy uh, directly through a contract, right? We call it a green tariff. We might call it that. They call it a renewable energy writer. Oh, I know that's what they call it, but I can't keep those. I can't keep those things straight. Amron's got the name for one. I think it's like customer choice. I think that might be what theirs is called, I, customer choice. And then our so KCPNL and GMO is the renewable energy writer. Yeah. So green tariff. <laughs> so for simplicity's so, sake. Yeah. So. So they have this rider, and so like if you're a larger customer, like you're an institution, you're a business, uh, you're like say a hospital or a university or even a municipality, you can sign up for that. You have a fixed contract for a series of years uh, where you're able to purchase directly from the utility uh, something that's produced from wind or solar, right? Yep. Okay. Is it at a reduced rate? Uh, it is not at a reduced rate. Is it at a fixed rate? It is. At, it is at a fixed rate. Isn't it? It'll be, uh, <laughs> well, you're going to pay your regular rates yeah. anyway. But there's going to be but this premium. But you're going to get to this uh, either a premium or a credit based on yeah. what the market does yeah. and how the energy that you've subscribed to, uh, how it performs. Okay. So that is, so that's something that's going to be available to larger customers. I, I noticed actually someone sent me an article today from the Wichita Business Journal that said that um, Westar's um, 
renewable, like whatever their green tariff is, it's got another name too. But they have a program very similar to this that KCPNL based their program off of. That's like an 80%. Like they estimated how many people they needed to participate in it. It's at 80%. So it's been really successful in the West Star Service Territory. Which is it in, still West Star? Well, okay. And I was going to get into that. Yes. I mean, West Star is now merged with KCPNL and they're going to be Evergy. But that's still going to apply to the West Star Service Territory. Right? That's right. Well, West Stars, I mean, I don't know if they intend on changing the names of the subsidiaries. Yeah, that's just a holding Evergy company. is the, the, the holding parent company. company. Parent company. Yeah, that's the holding right. company. I mean, just like how KCPNL and Greater Missouri Operations was under Great Plains Energy, GPE. Yep. I was trying to make sure I got that right. Uh, but they were under a holding company, and technically... Um, they didn't really have any employees. It was just really for legal and liability purposes. They had a holding company like that. So Evergy is probably going to be the holding company for all of them. So Westar has this uh, green tariff program. KCPNL will be introducing it. It's been going really well for Westar. So that's 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 a promising sign. Um, and also, we just did a special uh, live podcast a couple of weeks ago about uh, the Ameren Community Solar Program. KCPNL through this new rate case also has something like that, and that's something where they're trying to find subscribers who are going to be um, who might live in a house or, like, say, a condo where they can't put solar panels on their roof for whatever reason, or maybe they have um, trees all around their house, and they'd be able to buy solar directly from KCPNL. Uh, so yeah, so they'd be able to subscribe to a new facility to be built. So. They would cause renewable energy to be added to the grid right. if they subscribe to this. Uh, I don't believe it's just for residential. I think small business can sign up for this too. Okay. Um, they're going to hopefully build uh, something up to five megawatts uh, if wow. they get enough subscription. Which is which is five times the size of Ameren's proposed project if they get the amount of customers uh, that they need uh, to build that facility out by Lambert Airport for Ameren, Missouri. It's one megawatt. Yeah, that's one megawatt. And Kansas City Power and Light's looking at five. They're megawatt. hoping to get that much uh, interest from customers. So that's so. pretty exciting. So we will probably be doing a special broadcast about Kansas City Power and Light as well. We did that for Ameren. We, we did that for Ameren because I know we were working with them to try to get that word out. And I think even as of last Friday, they've got 60% of the blocks sold they need to do this. And we received emails from people saying because they heard it from us, in our newsletter and on our podcast that they were going to sign up for too. So we're going to pat ourselves on the back for that. So you're welcome. Well, that's, that's great. And KCPL and GMO should, you should, it should be even easier and better to sign up because there is no uh, subscription initial fee. Oh. Like with Ameren. So KCPL, uh, the rate is a little bit higher, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, of course, it's going to be based on what the actual cost of the project is. Yeah. Uh, and the more the they build, factors. And the cheaper if, it will be, right? If they build the five megawatt, it'll be cheaper for customers, right? Yeah. So that's right. That's that's right. I mean, so we want to encourage, and we will, like I said, we'll make this a focus of something later, that uh, we want as many people in KCPNL and Greater Missouri Operations to look into this, go to the KCPNL website. They'll have information there. We're going to try to promote the heck out of that, too. Um... Now, um, as far as, and I know that we're going to try to wrap this up pretty quick, as far as like other things that are notable uh, for our listeners uh, about the KCPNL rate case that was just approved, the settlement that was just approved, what's some other things they should be looking for? Uh, so 
One thing uh, that we filed testimony on, Philip Frasica from our office did, oh, was right. uh, about how they should have a low-income component to their solar facility. Yes. Uh, we didn't necessarily get that in this case, but the company agreed uh, when they put forward another solar facility, they're going to try and, and propose some way for low-income customers to participate. Right. Um, which we think is good. We do think that's good. Um, another aspect is... Uh, a commercial and industrial demand response ah. program. Uh, there was some testimony you offered. Oh, that's well right. As, I did do that, didn't uh, I? <laughs> what is demand response, James? Oh, boy. Tim? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually wrote that testimony, but I think you do a better job of, like, simplifying it. Uh, so it will allow customers to, uh, we talked about peak uh, yeah. hours here, uh, it will allow customers to hopefully be compensated for not using power at peak. Yeah. Um, and that will prevent the utility from possibly running more expensive yeah. units. Uh, it can be a good way to reduce the need to build future plants. Yeah. It can save customers money and it can help these customers who participate profit. And so what's really cool about that, I mean, this is kind of geared more towards larger customers and it's going to allow them to kind of, along with the utility company, work with each other to kind of like figure out when they can be using power, you know, when they, they they're, it's basically going to encourage them to work together to help smooth out when their demand is going to be. That's what this is going to do. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, I mean, to kind of get in the weeds here, that's kind of based on an Indiana model tariff and as we've talked about here on renew gurus before tariff is the kind of legal document that's underlying to a customer's bill uh so we don't use tariff in the way that a lot of other people when they talk about tariffs use it because that's like a trade thing when people commonly think about it but that's also what we talk about here in utility work as well well it's kind of the same idea but it's the same yeah, trying to confuse our listeners at home. I'm trying to distinguish this so they're not thinking that we're going to put some imp, we're not going to put some tariff on like horse feathers or whatever it is they did in the 1880s, all right? So there's no such thing as horse feathers. I'm just teasing. Um, but yeah, so th- but that's I think the, that's unicorn feathers. Is that unicorn feathers? Yeah, yeah which um, yeah, that's that, that's something just as superfluous. Uh, did I say that right? Who cares? So, I mean, so basically the Indiana model tariff deals with demand response, deals with how larger customers are going to be able to help aggregate their demands and help kind of like do kind of what we're talking about with time of use, but do it at a much larger scale. Yeah. So uh, it's not the it's not going to be exactly like it is in Indiana, but it's going to do two right. important things. Facilitate uh, aggregator participation, which are, you know, uh, under the supervision of the company, but these other businesses... You say the company, you mean the utility. The utility, yes. Right. Uh, these other uh, entities called aggregators could get customers to sign up and try and get as many people to participate in these programs as possible. And then the, the second aspect um, is uh, we're going to have a transparent methodology uh, to establish how these customers are compensated. Okay. So those two components are really what's being put forward here in this case. And then the last, uh, the la- <laughs> I know we're getting close on time, but the last yeah. thing that, that we were interested in and we had... Uh, Jamie Scripps offered testimony on oh, yeah. um, inclining our, block Our rates. good friend Jamie Scripps. And so uh, she had great testimony for us, and, and a number of other parties put forward testimony on inclining block rates. And that's where 
customers who use less money will pay or less energy will pay less. Yeah. Uh, they're going to pay a lower rate for their first thousand uh, kilowatt hours used. Uh, and then anything above that will be at a slightly higher rate. So that's just another way to encourage customers to be efficient and to conserve energy. Inclining block rates. Inclining block rates. Time um, of use. Time of use. Indiana model. Indiana model. We've got it all in this thing. I, I will say this, and we, we've been very complimentary of Kansas City Power and Light. They did uh, propose a lot of these things in this right case. It made it a lot easier to try to work with them and to try to get these things done at once. I know that other utilities tend to do these as special filings, and there's nothing wrong with that. We think that's fine too, but we're able to get a lot of big, ambitious things in there because Kansas City Power and Light offered some big, ambitious things. Now, this is not all things they were supportive of. I, I know they were reluctant to look at the Indiana model tariffs. We pushed very hard on that. The Public Service Commission was interested in that. But they did come to the table, and we did get this all put together in this one case, and we think it's going to be really beneficial for the western part of the state. Yep. To be effective, uh, I think the company wants it effective November 14th. Holy moly, that was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but when we take this, <laughs> sorry, when we see, okay, we're going to be doing some more revealing of the magic here. We're taping this early. Uh, because uh, Ms. Gower is going to be going and representing Renew Missouri at a conference of state environmental leaders uh, when this gets uh, put out. And so we will be doing this on, this is this will be premiering or dropping, as they say in the biz, on November 15th. So now I've got all the specific <laughs> stuff on here, so I really hope we do put it on <laughs> on November 15th. So, yeah, so they're supposed to go into effect the day before today. So that's exciting. But it's a week from when we're recording this. It's like Back to the Future. Oh my gosh, <laughs> which 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 timeline are we going to be on? Is this going to be A, or is this going to be the one where Biff Tannen owns the casino? <laughs> I don't know. Becomes president. He or becomes whatever. president. <laughs> I, yeah, because I think they've already, I think Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis said they based that character off of uh, the president. president Trump. Yeah, back in the day in 1989. Don't get James started, Mr. Film Critic. Oh, that's true. Oh yeah, read my column in the Columbia Daily Tribune. But uh, that's not what we're here about. We're here about, about Kansas City Power and Light. Uh, we hope that you have found this useful and informative and, you know, uh, we've apparently all learned something together. <laughs> uh, but, like, right now, um, uh, and I think Elizabeth would be very uh, happy for me to tell you that we are doing our year-end fundraising. So if you're listening to this and you want to go to RenewMo.org, uh, we'd love for you to make a donation so we can continue doing this work. Uh, we are offering uh, membership to the Real Council, which is going to allow you to help sponsor this podcast so you can get your word out through that. Uh, so we do hope that you will consider those options because um, we're getting a lot of good feedback on this uh, podcast, aren't we, Elizabeth? Yeah, we are. And we have quite a following. So I, I went to a conference a couple weeks ago. I had people like who I'd never met before ask me about this. Because all the people I know don't listen. Uh, <laughs> That's not a jab or anything. No, it's not a jab. It just means that they find me boring. So because they, <laughs> they know get enough of you in real life. <laughs> That's right. Um, so when I just randomly come up to a friend of mine and say, "Tell me about time of use rates," uh, that's you know, so they're just used to that. So anyway, um, we uh, we would like to thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, we'd encourage you to learn more about what we're doing by going to renewmo.org. We'd encourage you to write a review of this podcast uh, on iTunes, and we'd ask you to share this on your social media feed because uh, that's the only way we're going to keep uh, getting more supporters out there and we're going to be able to educate the public. Um, 
So until next time, uh, we'll see you live here on the radio.